Hello and welcome to In a Flash, a weekly photo and video news show from Around the Lens. We've been off the air for quite some time, but we're back and we're ready to give you the news. I'm your host, David J. Murphy. And I'm Travis Keys. And here we go. Let's just get into the news. Our first story deals with the Sony Alpha 1. Uh, it's been released and it's been out there in the wild and people can get their hands on it. It's a new $6,500 uh, digital camera, micro four, not micro four thirds. It's a full frame mirrorless camera uh, from Sony. It's their latest, greatest. It can shoot 8K, I think, it, was it 45 megapixel stills? I'm probably wrong about that. Let me just throw it over to Travis, who's the Sony expert. Sony, uh, Travis, tell us about the Sony Alpha 1. The Alpha 1 is, is there at truly a flagship, you know, coming in at $6,500. This is a beast of a camera. And it's sort of like one ring to rule them all. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it is shooting 30 frames a second. It's a beast of a camera. Um, it's I mean, it's not for everyone. I mean, everyone's kind of like, oh, I can't believe they made a $6,500 camera. It's like, well, you know what? When, you know, Nikon's flagship and the D1s and the, you know, the, the Canon worlds and all of those were out, there were $6,500. Yeah, but this camera does amazing video. It does amazing stills. It's a, it's really just a, a an exceptional, exceptional camera. And, and Sony has just been like, this year is like, you know, we think the pandemic is like, you know, oh, it would slow down for them. They've released so many lenses they've released and just quietly on top of the A1. I don't know if you know this, but they just quietly updated the uh, A7R4 and the A7 III to an A7 III-A and an A7R. A, which uh, they've in increased the LCD resolution from like 1.4 million million dots to I believe it was two, it was like 23 million, you know, not 23 million, two million three hundred thousand uh, dots, and the, and they both uh, the new they updated the USB ports to USB 3.2, which is that ultra fast, uh, and um, the um, it's it's slightly down because of the higher resolution on the the screen for the battery life, I think like 10 shots or something like that, but yeah. uh, and they put out pancake lenses that are like 2.5. You know, um, on, on the aperture that are really small and light, uh, they put three new ones out. Sony is just killing it with uh, it releasing tons of stuff at a time. Yeah, no, absolutely. Sony has not been slowed down at all, as far as I can tell by the pandemic. Who knows? Maybe they have been slowed down. Maybe they would have had the, you know, six more cameras out this year if it weren't for the pandemic. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm sure the A7R5 and the A7R4 are, are not far behind uh, to, to be launched at some point uh, in the near future. Yeah, no, absolutely. They've been very productive. And, you know, the Sony Alpha 1 is definitely, again, like you said, they're going for that flagship territory. They're going for those super duper high end um, market of mirrorless cameras. And, you know, it shows, you know, they've got a 50 megapixel sensor. So I was wrong there. Uh, up to 30 frames per second shooting for 8K, no overheating, which, of course, you know, has been the big sticking point with like the Canon R5. And it can shoot 4K 120 frame per second video, and it can also do 16-bit raw video output. So it's really just a beast of a camera. Like yeah, said, it's not and I've everybody. seen I've seen the 8K video and, and I've been able to play with it, and it, it's it really is beautiful. I mean, I've seen really? people doing wow. some beautiful, beautiful work on it. Uh, I know a couple little people are kind of upset that you know a $6,500 camera came out, and now suddenly they quietly really release uh, uh, release a new uh, version of uh, a, a higher screen onto you know the A7 III and the A7R4. Uh, so yeah. people are kind of a little upset about that. Like, why didn't you do that? You know, I should get a free upgrade or something like that. But you know, this is what happens when technology pushes on, uh, I, you know, it happens. <laughs> now, trust me, when they come out with the uh, R5C or R5S <laughs> here, like later on this year, probably that doesn't overheat and, you know, has an unrecorded, unlimited recording limit, I will definitely be very pissed at Canon. <laughs> 
but uh, no, I'm loving my R5. It's a great camera, but you know, get a little bit of a little bit of envy from what Sony is pushing out. But obviously, you know, like I said, every, this camera is not for everybody. And, you know, this camera would not be for me where I'm at. And I, I don't know how, you know, there's a lot of, there's certain definitely markets that would definitely appreciate a camera like this. I don't know if you're one of those either. This probably wouldn't be in your rant ballpark, I would imagine, right? Um, I, it's funny that you say that because I, you know, it's like I have a lot of different cameras from the A7R3, the A7R4, the A7 III. Um, so I, I'm sort of thinking like hmm, maybe it's time to kind of sell off two of those and get the A1 because it's just, it's just okay. a, it's right in that sweet spot of what I do in terms of not only just video, but the, the, uh, the what you can do in terms of, you know, uh, still photos is incredible. Um, right. You know, it's, it's an incredible thing, but you know, it, what's funny is, you know, Sony is just really kind of doing amazing things. And, and just recently, you know, I don't know if you know this, that, uh, that uh, the white house just released the, uh, the official portraits uh, and they were shot on a Sony uh, at the, the official white house photographer's name is Adam Schultz. And he's using Sony a nine twos. And he just recently did uh, um two portraits uh, and you see uh, Camilla Harris and, and, and president Joe Biden, and they were shot on the Sony a nine two, the Sony with the Sony lens, the 85 1.4 G master. Uh, and they're really beautiful portraits. What do you think about yeah. that? I know that uh, you have some actual inside stuff having to wait and rely on those portraits for, for a reason. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, um, I work in a, a section of, you know, the, the government where, you know, we are supposed to put those portraits up on the wall. And so we've been waiting for those official release of the portraits ever since, you know, President Biden was elected. And it usually takes mm, a few weeks to a few months in order to get the actual official portrait. I remember back in the day waiting for President Obama's portrait and then President Trump's portrait. And so whenever that's released, it's kind of like, okay, good. I can, I can take care of that one little thing I'm supposed to be doing and get those photos printed. And I remember back when President Obama was elected and as soon as this official portrait came out, the first thing I did was load it up into bridge and look at the metadata because they put like pretty much the raw image out there. Yeah. Uh, and it was neat to see. I think, I think it was shot with the Canon 5D Mark II. It was definitely shot with a Canon camera. So it's interesting and typically, then that's a good point. Uh, previously, most of the White House photographers have used Canons or Nikons. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what President Trump's was shot with. I didn't look at the metadata for that. Do you remember? Did, was that ever Offhand, a story? I don't remember, actually, but I don't believe it was a Sony. Okay. Maybe yeah, an it, iPhone, for all I know. I don't know. <laughs> it was a different, uh, different, different time then. <laughs> using the portrait mode. But no, yeah, Sony has definitely been, you know, this is a sign of the times. It's a sign of Sony's integration into and permeation into all facets and forms of photographer that, you know, again, a photographer would trust their brand and their cameras enough to use it on such a extremely important yeah. subject. You know, the president shows a lot of trust and confidence in the camera system. And so I am proud of and, and happy for Sony to be kind yeah. of elevated. Well, it's it's been such an exciting year. I mean, you look at Fuji putting out their GFX S, you know, hundred mega, you know, pixel medium format camera. You look at, you know, Canon putting out the, you know, the R5 and, you know, and, and, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. R6 and, uh, and Sony putting out their stuff. I mean, there's just so many yeah. great products out there nowadays that uh, it's really, you know, someone says, Oh, what camera should I get? It's like I, the one you really like, <laughs> what's going to work best for you. There's, yeah, there's no. a lot of good stuff out there. Yeah. And again, you know, I think the photographer, you know, had their, their pick of the litter with regard to the amount of options to shoot this with, you know, you had so many great cameras out there yeah. 
from Canon to Sony, Nikon even, you know, there's a lot of good lenses and good glass and good camera bodies. I think, you know, probably gave Sony the edge was its permeation within the the news field now because of the contracts with AP. Yeah, and also right. just it's, it's by this point, it's had a, a chance to really build out a very wide, vast library of lenses. Whereas, you know, some of the other cameras that have taken the mirrorless format a little bit later are still building out those 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 camera lenses and i know canon has some good um low aperture glass some good high speed glass and you know i, mean, I think nikon is working on it and whatnot but still uh sony i think has the more robust library of mirrorless glass at this point compared to its competitors so yeah makes sense to go with that camera yeah yeah um, but uh, portraits look great i'll be publishing printing them and posting them on our wall here soon so glad to see those finally released. And with regard to things that are released, um, maybe I'll put one of these portraits up and sell it as an NFT. Oh, is that, is that NFT. legal? Can I do that? Jump into take, the NFT game. I know, right? Can I take a piece of public domain work like, you know, a president's portrait and sell it as an NFT? Can I sell something that's not mine? Probably shouldn't get into that road and go down that rabbit hole. But what is an NFT? Well, it's a non fungible i forgot what token. the t stands are token non-fungible token non-fungible token. Non token so basically what that means it's it's non-fungible means like one of a kind yeah and token is i guess with regard to its crypto roots crypto origins and so it essentially allows me to sell you a photograph or ownership of a photograph that is accessed on the blockchain Mm -hmm. and kind of denoted and whatnot and it has that archive and it has that sort of proof and you can now have it and own it you can own a digital good even though it's out there in the world and anyone can look at it right pretty much i get that right yeah no absolutely i mean it's, it's based on cryptocurrency and you know the marketplace and stuff like that and you have a whole thing that's kind of a you know this virtual world it's like you know it's like it's, it's supposed to be a one of kind one of a kind and people are kind of really jumping into this and you know a lot of people feel like oh i can make millions on this or you know it's like jumping into cryptocurrency there you know there's there's yeah. pluses and minuses and we'll see where it goes if it's a fad or if it's not a fad uh, uh a lot of people are kind of upset because of the power it takes to you know mine and 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 for these kind of things and 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 it, they find it a waste of resources and it's, it, it's not, it's not like it doesn't exist because it sort of exists because of all the computer power and what it takes to kind of uh, have these in the virtual world. So it's, it's a very kind of odd thing. It's, and one of those things, like if you're going to jump into this, you really kind of have to do your due diligence of kind of doing it. Is it good time yeah. to do it? Yeah, probably. You know, it's like, but you have to, you know, uh, at some point kind of uh, be in the, in the crypto market. And I think you have to start an account and, uh, and be in the cryptocurrency market. Uh, but uh, there's a lot, some people making money off of this and, and, and some people are making, you know, you know, 500 to a thousand dollars, which, you know, if you're selling five or six of those things, that's a lot of money for a lot of people. It allowed, some people are making a ton of money on this, but uh, you know, it's one of those things is there's no clear cut answer on what you're going to do. And it's, it could be fun to look into right now, but really look into it. I don't recommend jumping into one like, Oh, I'm, going to make a million dollars off nft it's like really do your research on this it's 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 kind of the one of those things that there's a lot of um ins and outs and gray areas of it so it's very important to kind of uh look into it and do a lot of reading and, and see if you know anyone that's uh and uh, really kind of played with it and i think for people like us you know who create artwork you know with our our cameras i think it's a great opportunity to potentially find another income source another revenue source 
And you, like I said, you may not make it be a millionaire, but there's nothing saying you couldn't put on, you know, one of your photos and make like a hundred copies of it for $50 a piece or something like that. And those people who are interested in you as an artist can definitely, you know, it allows them to invest in you specifically yeah. because, you know, the NFT, the value of it, you know, and everyone hopes, you know, when they buy the NFT that goes up and they can resell it on the market its value is directly tied to you and your continued work and popularity as a artist. Yeah. So and I know some people are worried, you know, it's like, Oh, what happens is, you know, cause it's like, Oh, you own that one exclusive kind of digital. Well, it is the only one, but, uh, right. and some people are worried about uh, copyright and the copyright still is retained by the photographer. So there's not sure. an issue there. Yeah. No, and I think, you know, if you are someone who might be interested in this market, it's definitely worth looking into because there's very little risk. You know, all you're doing is essentially putting up your artwork for sale. You're making limited edition prints, if you will. If you want yeah. to kind of correlate to a real world corollary is you're making a set of 100 prints and you're selling those numbered prints off to people who want to bid on them, the highest bidder. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, you know, it's a very, for very getting in the very low. It's like, you know, you look at the, the, uh, you know, the gallery market where they, you know, they take 30, you know, 40, 50% of your sale uh, with, right. with this, that's yeah. not going to happen like that. It's yeah. uh, so I mean, a lot of people are kind of excited about the potential of making money. And, and even if you're making, you know, imagine just selling, you know, 10, 10 photos for $200 or, you know, $2,000, you yeah. know, in a month or two months for many people, that's a huge amount of money. And that's, you know, life, you know, the, the, you know, that makes the, the living much easier. So, you know, if you can take advantage of it and figure out to your, your place and to do that, I think it's, it's pretty cool. So um, have you, have you considered yeah. entering this market? Have, have you looked into it yourself? Um, I am definitely looking into it. There's no doubt. I, you know, it's like, you know, we all kind of look back on things like, man, if I only bought a couple of Bitcoins early on, or if I only oh, you yeah, know, invested sure. in Mac or, you know, if I only invested in Apple, you know, it's like, or, you know, these things. Yeah. So, yeah, I am definitely looking at it and, and, you know, I don't even know if at this point it's too late, but I don't, Thing, I think it's right at that peak, you know, so we have to kind of look at it right now. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking at it. And, you know, just, you know, speaking of, you know, things to, you know, mine and make virtual, I have a Mac M1, which is, I don't know if you have, uh, you know, are familiar with the M1 chipsets that, but uh, this is only about six months old. And of course, you know, that I buy one, they're already talking about the M2. Uh, the M2 is right. going to come out, uh, you know, at some point, I don't think it'll be out with the next, you know, because the next power books will probably have the M1 chip, but they're looking to put the new M2s, which is basically taking like a five nanometer chip and making it a four nanometer chip. And it's probably going to be, uh, you know, faster and better and, and what they can pack onto these chips and the way they've been performing uh is incredible you know if you look at you know linus from tech news and and uh people like marquise browning who have done some extensive tests on these uh they're really performing well and uh really kind of changing the the atmosphere of you know the the whole landscape of of computing and what people are doing with chips and stuff like mm -hmm. that i my m1 uh that i bought i got the 13 inch was it was the perfect size it does not replacing my full like studio gig where i you know my, my desktop that i built i built a custom pc rig but uh right. it's for me i wanted something that literally i could put in my knapsack or a bag that still could perform well and you know have long battery life uh that really was kind of uh something that i enjoyed working Working on and that it was it, it hit the sweet spot for everything that I wanted and it mm -hmm. and I'm not having problems with running Photoshop or running you know Lightroom yeah. it's it's really I've really enjoyed it have you had a chance to play with any of the yet well uh, they have some display models up in the store that I go to and uh, I've touched them <laughs> but I haven't uh, done any uh, extensive testing with them but I've seen yeah. enough videos of people who've done testing with them to know that 
they are basically magic in a box in terms of what you can do with them and how they sort of handle video editing and stuff like that. And so again, I've considered potentially maybe getting one, but I'm holding off because again, I, yeah. I like you, I bought a, or I have a, a desktop PC rig that I only bought like two years ago yeah. that I spent like a couple thousand dollars on. So I want to get the most out of that. Um, but I have an aging MacBook Pro from 2014, which, you know, will have to be upgraded at some point. I don't know when I'll upgrade it, yeah. but that is something where I'm definitely considering, if not the M1, the M2, M3. <laughs> I mean, that's the very thing about this new chipset series is it's only going to get better from here. Yeah. And the, the growth potential or the ability for it to get better is limitless. I mean, look at from, you know, the iPad, like from 10 years ago to the iPad today, and that's been an integrated, you know, system on a chip for so long. And it's just, you can do anything with the, the And when they're putting iPad. these M1 chips in the iPads and stuff like that, those iPads are just going to yeah. be mini MacBook Pros. I mean, they're just going to be, you know, they're, it's just, the capability is awesome. I mean, I, they're really well done. The only thing that like, I'm really just not a fan of with Mac is like, once you buy it, that's it. You're not upgrading it. There's no changing it. Like, sure. you know, people ask me, yeah. oh, should I get the eight megabyte, eight gigabyte uh, RAM or the 16 gigabyte? I'm like, buy as much as you can because you will never, ever be able to upgrade it. Uh, so, I mean, that's frustrating, but it, you know, it is what it is. And and people are like, well, why'd you buy now? Or why didn't you wait for the, you know, the, the uh, MacBook Pros? I'm like, well, the 13 inch was a perfect spot for me. And, and, and when those yeah. 14 to come out, you know, and the, the new back pros, they're going to be a lot more money than I wanted to spend anyway. So the 13 was perfect for what I needed. And sorry, you went for the pro over the air, right? I, I went for the pro and not the air. There was just, you know, it's, it, there was not enough price difference in the air. You know, the, the air was just, you know, like why get the air when you can get the pro and it's like, uh, it just was better suited. Okay. Okay. But you know, do you think, do you see yourself upgrading to the M2 when that comes out? Or do you think you'll hold on to the M1 for like a longer period of time? It all depends. It I mean, if, if it's working well for me, I mean, it's, it's a great size. It's uh it's, you know, portable. The battery life is great. I mean, yeah. if the M2 is to this, that much more stellar and, you know, who knows, maybe the M2 will become a desktop replacement that, you know, that uh, I, I, you know, could just travel with uh, and uh, yeah. plug in when I get home to a dock or something like that. If that's the case, that's kind of exciting, but I like, having both worlds i you know i have a full pc rig at home and uh, it's nice to have the mac because there are a lot of people that uh, still have mac and uh, mac doesn't play well with pc and all that stuff so it's nice to be able to kind of work on both and if i need to yeah when i was considering the m1 series i was looking at the the desktop you know the mac mini i guess yeah which is a great um, price i mean geez if mm -hmm. you don't have to travel oh, with yeah. it, that is an incredible option it's the i mean even if you ridiculous. do have to travel with it it's like the size of a big I mean, it's not even that big to travel with, you know, you can yeah. throw that into and they a backpack. Make, and they make a little um, dock, a little dock station that's got SD you know, in it and all these ports that literally yeah. are this, it's, it's made the same size and it just fits under it. And I'm like, oh, that's really kind of cool. You can add to hard drives and all kinds of stuff. So you mm -hmm. could actually buy the, you know, a 512 SSD and add the you know, stuff. You don't have to buy the one terabit or, you know, something like that. You can, you know, really buy something for the, the home station, which works really well. You know, I could see myself taking that with me on travel, plug it yeah. into the hotel tv yeah you know, absolutely keyboard mouse and you know i got a whole little the giant apple tv <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly so definitely some interesting stuff in the future there so looking forward to seeing how that all pans out and we'll probably be following that space 
And another space I'll be following closely is this one that's actually have been following. We have been talking about this back on the old Around the Lens show is the latest greatest details with regard to the case against uh, Andy Warhol and this photographer, um, Goldsmith, Lynn yeah, Goldsmith. Yeah, Lynn Goldsmith, yeah. Yeah, so she and Andy Warhol's estate have sort of been battling each other because the, you know, the Warhol, the artist himself, used a photograph of hers um, to create a piece of artwork. And so there's been this back and forth in different courts and whatnot. It'll probably be, you know, again, this is just the latest, greatest step in this, but she has won uh, this is the latest appeal, basically saying that no, Andy Warhol's art is not, you know, able to do whatever they, you know, the artist cannot do whatever they want with someone's photograph. There is still copyright in this country. And, you know, you can't just take somebody's photograph and make artwork out of it and say, oh, well, look, I create a new piece of thing, pay me for it. It's my, it's my copyright now. Um, so this is great news. I think if you're a photographer and you want to protect your work uh, from others who might be wanting to using it, you know, there has to be some sort of essentially discussion and dialogue between you and the artist and there has to be a licensing fee if that's what they want to do or you know again the artist doesn't get carte blanche to do what they want with somebody else's work you know and call it their yeah. own and say it's you know, hey this is i'm going to sell this now no there has to be some discussion and dialogue uh which yeah. the way it should be you know but it's yeah a, I, mean, I mean super super important to us photographers and i love what she wrote on her gofundme page she wrote yesterday the second court of appeals is issuing their ruling and she mm -hmm. put we won all visual creators especially photographers can yeah. breathe a bit easier can sleep Absolutely. now knowing that the clear ruling of what is fair use of their their, their work uh which is fantastic it's and this is the one step that's that you can't get to a higher court other than the supreme court which i'm sure it right. will go to uh in this so. ongoing battle but uh these small you know victories are, are, are big for us you know and this is yeah. uh this is really good to see I would look forward to seeing this uh, be actually deliberated in the Supreme Court. So if it actually goes up there, you know, hopefully it doesn't have to. But, you know, again, if, if the Warhol state wants to take it up, they can take it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this is there's a lot of different cases that are similar to this. And we see those kind of being played out. But I think it's a it'll set good precedent. You know, if you are a photographer and someone is using your work, you can now kind of point to this and say, Hey, buddy. Hey, bucko. You better pay me for my photograph or, you know, whatever. Or I, I own your artwork because you used my photograph without permission. So uh, definitely. Oh, you know, I'm a, 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 a gearhead tech person. I love my drones and, and cameras mm -hmm. and stuff like that. There's a new drone out there. Uh, it's called the Power X and it's a weatherproof drone, a camcorder and a webcam all in one, which is kind of crazy. And it's in this weird shape of an egg. And, uh, um, you know, I, I am a huge fan of, uh, of DJI, even though I hate their customer service, but I'm a huge fan yeah. of, uh, of the, the, their products. And this What's is their customer service. Um, I, I've had nothing but bad experience with uh, trying, like, you know, I've um, been an early adopter from the, the Phantom 1 to Phantom 2, to, and I've had issues where, you know, my my drone is set getting fixed, you know, for months at a time, or, you know, they released something that the firmware bricked my thing early on, so I tried to get it back to them, and then they, it just sat there. I mean, I, it, and trying to get someone on the phone, or like, now they you, they have, like, sort of the Apple Care, where if you pay a little extra, you get, you know, priority, priority service, which is fine, and that's good, uh, so it's a little better that you have that now, but uh, in the past it's been an absolute nightmare like so much that i've actually i don't take the time to sit down and write and and say i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna like spread the bad news of what you do and i did that with dgi i mean i was so upset with them and the way they handled things but this this new uh one from power x which is uh you know um, power egg x yeah it's power egg 
X is it's it looks like an egg. It looks like something out of Fifth Element, like you would see in that yeah. movie. Um, but it's kind of wild. It's uh, it looks like you know it's a, its own little handhold, little gimbal. It's got little wings that come out mm-hmm. and flies. It's it's got cool little things that like little attachments so it can land and take off from water. Um, there's there's a lot of things going on with this, and it has obstacle yeah. avoidance and AI powered to follow and and do all kinds of stuff and sound you know tying into your iPhone. I mean, it's got a lot of stuff going on. And what's amazing, it's seven ninety nine. So it's a yeah really competitive price for this what do you think about that yeah i I tell you when i was looking at the promo video for it i was like this thing is complete vaporware garbage kickstarter (laughs) that'll never come out and then i looked a little deeper i'm like oh you can actually buy this now it's yeah Uh, it's uh, there's a link i saw it on adorama it's actually being sold eight hundred dollars on bnh photo as well so yeah i mean it seems too good to be true but it also (laughs) seems like the jack of all trades master of none you know type situation like yeah it can fly as a drone but is it going to be as good as dji's drone is it going to fly as well is the connection going to be as good sure right. it could be a camcorder they're saying 3.5 miles or something on this which is in, seems to me insane I, I would have to get it in my hands and try it out myself you know yeah. which i'm intrigued by yeah i think again it, it has a lot of versatility you know I, like i've you know i've used my mavic air a drone as sort of a little video camera like yeah. I hold have held it in its collapsed state and i could move it around like a little i think some people drone. have even designed little uh things that you can attach to it so you can walk around with it as you know really? uh, like, wow. yeah so yeah i mean this is an intriguing piece of kit i like the modularity of it i think that is one of its probably biggest selling points so if you yeah. didn't already have a camera that you know if you don't already have like five or six cameras that already meet these needs then I think this would be a good first starter camera for sure. And, you know, you can go start with the drone kit and then move up from there. It had some fun little features too. Like you could put it on a tripod and, and, and the AI will actually like follow you around. So, you know, you could be a one person kind of shooting. So like I could yeah. set it up and walk into a scene and it will actually follow me and, and track me and do different things. So it's got a lot of cool little things going on to it besides the, the funky little crazy little shape of it. Uh, it's, 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 I'm interested in checking it out. Yeah, no, I definitely would have to check out some more reviews to see if it would be something I would add to my kit. But I could definitely see, like my Mavic Air Pro or Mavic Pro, it was the first one that came out, you know, the collapsible drones. So it's getting up there. It's getting a little old, you know, getting a little rusty. I actually have to replace the blades on it because they've been so chipped and deteriorated over time. Um, and there are a lot so of secondary, was, you know, second party, third party uh, carriers that make blades that they're quieter or stronger or, you know, oh, really? you know wow, okay. more lift. And so there's, there's a lot of good options yeah. out there to look at. Yeah. I just want to get some DJI issues. I know they gave me some when I bought the drone initially. I just yeah. don't know where they are. So I'll probably it's funny. I remember when I first them. started flying, I would have to order extra propellers because I crashed it and, and and would you know chip the blades and do all this stuff. And now I've you know just the thing is so reliable and taking off and landing and flying that uh, I've had the same blades on it you know for a while now, no issues. All right. Well, that's been in a flash. I've been your host, David J. Murphy, and I'm Travis Keys.